0: Hello, and welcome to the Story X Story podcast, where we discuss stories across pop culture plus give you advice on creating your own. It is episode number 84, and I am your co host, Nigel.
1: I am Tazzy, content creator and co host.
0: And you have come into a video game discussion episode. So, from time to time, we do deep dives, we do creator interviews. And uh, we do discussions on different issues and topics in different creative industries. So today we're talking video games and specifically we are talking handheld gaming and how that is looking currently, how it's going to look in the future uh, and how storytelling on a handheld platform is impacted. So we brought in uh, some people to help us keep this conversation going. So allow me to introduce Arden Ostorf, narrative designer formerly of Ubisoft and has worked on the real-time strategy game Anno and The Division 2. Welcome, Arden. First time on the show as well.
2: Yeah. Hi, everyone.
0: And we also have a familiar name, hopefully familiar name, previously been on the show, Quang Ngoin, the founder of the indie studio, Asobi Tech. Quang, welcome back to the show. Great to be back. Thanks for having me. So I think, Quang, you were last with us on our gamepad online panel where we talked about whether game design has gotten too big to fail. So that was a three-part panel we did for a previous gamepad online. I will put those links in the show notes so you can check that out because that was another good discussion we had earlier in the year. Uh, so you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, pretty much wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, as always, you can send us your feedback and questions to feedback at myamada.com. Drop them in a Discord, throw them at us on social media. We are at MyMatter on Twitter, at TV on Instagram, or at Tazzy on both. And before we get into this discussion for today's episode, we just want to check in with the latest from the MyMatter universe i can happily say that the latest manga series, through the fog is is done it's done it's over to the printer uh it's it's with them now so uh, eventually i think as you're listening to this we should have it in print so let me put that out there but we're working on bringing the book to print to our Kickstarter backers that made this possible taking the book to the thought bubble Convention where I will be debuting *Serious Through the Fog* uh, and alongside other Myomeda manga titles, November thirteenth to the fourteenth. So the one and only convention of 2021, and the first one since the pandemic uh, hit uh, for sure. Um, so yeah, glad to have the book done and hopefully people will uh, enjoy that and we've got other manga to come so we're going to be working on putting together the olympics manga pages that we did over the summer uh, putting that together in a downloadable format uh, for people to get free if you are on our newsletter Uh, and then also working on some more stories some new stories including one with Tazzy's character so look out for that uh, as well going to be working on that uh, soon um, when it comes to video games, we have a couple of activities that we're doing as part of studio 77 this month so you can catch the VOD of our interview with Italian game designer Pietro Riva uh, who co-founded his own studio and we're going to be talking to him about game design, how to how he's built up his studio uh, and' it's particularly the game design, Uh, and gaming culture in italy as well that'll be interesting to hear so you can catch that vod and if you are a studio 77 member you can gain access to the video after it has disappeared from twitch and coming up we also have our end of month games night we're going to be playing roblox once again we are returning uh, to roblox by popular demand so you can check out our uh, live play of that you can also check out previous highlights from other games nights including the first time we played roblox uh fortnite uh well rocket league uh, and there'll be others coming so make sure you're following us on youtube and also get ready for our new year gamepad online event uh, so we're going to be announcing the date for that uh, soon so if we haven't already uh, just follow us uh on social media join our newsletter we'll be shouting about that once we have the date set in stone that's going to be live on twitch hosted by Tazzy, and we're going to be bringing as usual our friendly fire esports competition i will be talking to a number of industry professionals and we will have a special announcement soon after that i can't talk about i was going i was going <laughs> to slip into that and then uh, we will reveal some stuff we haven't put together just oh, yet so
1: break internal dna
0: yeah, I know. <laughs> I bring my own uh, my own NDA. So yeah, come to the next gamepad. I'll leave that there. Tickets are free and we'll be doing new artwork uh, to mark the event. So the high res version will go out to our Discord community and we will raffle off a printed canvas version for a lucky ticket holder and the Discord user. I think we'll do both because we did both for our uh, comic at the last event. So yeah, definitely make sure you join us for that that is all the gamepad news for now let's break into today's discussion as i mentioned at the top we're going to be talking about handheld gaming because 2021 uh, seems to be big for handheld gaming we have the switch dominating we have valve entering the market uh, and of course mobile gaming continues to be going uh, strong So handheld systems and games have been around for decades, but it feels like the early promise of handheld gaming is being realized now. Add some acceleration from an unprecedented pandemic and handheld gaming just seems to be going from strength to strength. So in this discussion, we're going to be looking at where those strengths will take this market, how future gaming stories will be shaped by handheld platforms. We're going to focus largely on the Switch, I imagine, uh, as well as Valve's upcoming Steam Deck, and also touch on mobile mobile gaming. So we'll see uh, where we get to in the discussion. Uh, but let's start with a bit of history, just to see uh, how we got here. And so I, I guess this is going to date some people, but uh, <laughs> before before there was even the Game Boy, which To my mind is like the first handheld console. Uh, There was the Microvision in 1979, then the Game & Watch in 1980 by Nintendo. The Game Boy then came in 1989, which I had. Uh, It was a big, plain grey, portable handheld console. I loved it. It was great. Also in 1989, we had the Lynx, which holds the distinction of being the world's first handheld electronic game with a color LCD display but failed to achieve the critical mass required to attract quality third-party developers and was eventually abandoned. It was the first of many attempts to dethrone Nintendo's handheld dominance. Others include Game Gear 1991, Turbo Express in the same year, Nintendo's Virtual Boy 1994 was the first portable games console capable of displaying true 3D graphics. And in response to calls for a more advanced system, something Nintendo got used to uh, pretty much uh, even now, we saw the Game Boy Color in 1998, the Game Boy Advance in 2001, all leading up to the Nintendo DS in 2004. 24? 2004. 2004. I, <laughs> yeah, I don't know I don't where I was going with that. <laughs>
1: Get <laughs> out of yourself there. <Yeah. laughs> uh,
0: so uh, others have tried. We've seen the N-Gage uh, not do so well in 2003, and perhaps something that was ahead of its time, maybe the PlayStation Portable 2004 to 2005. So there's nothing really to challenge the Nintendo in this space uh, until N- Nintendo put down their own challenge in the switch which brings us to present day so uh my first thing i, I want to know is what is everyone's first handheld console start with quang do you want to let us know just because i feel yours might be similar to mine
3: well uh, yeah um i'm slightly older than most people here we did have a lot of those early like cd games so like gaming watch nintendo game watch but um not my nintendo my actual first handheld kind of would be the nintendo game boy um uh, my father was kind enough to bring it back from a trip to america because they got it before we did so i was the first in our school to get a game boy amazing
0: you were a popular kid
3: <laughs>
0: yeah and <laughs> uh, how about you uh arden
2: yeah so so for me um the the first handheld that i came in contact with was the game boy through my older brothers but actually the first um handheld console that was actually my own and that like i felt like I knew what I was doing with or was excited to be using was the DS and it must have been 2005 and it was also the first actual console I owned myself so um, that was uh, so exciting I loved it I played so many games on it so many fond memories I think uh, also a lot of formative experience that I, I think most people probably have on like a stationary console I actually had on the DS
0: oh okay was that the original ds or the, yes 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 okay. it was the gray the one also gray yeah yeah
2: <laughs> it was the yeah it was even before i think it came out in colors a bit later um i did get a ds Lite eventually which was a very good upgrade but i think it was even probably the year it came out or the year after or something like that yeah
0: yeah i started with the the gray ds and then you got the uh the ds light which was just just looked way better i don't know what it is mm. with nintendo and releasing gray gray block consoles and then, so color later. then
2: later sell you the color oh yeah. yeah of
0: course right yeah business that's what that's what the reason <laughs> exactly. is exactly
2: if only they sold like still the the see-through cases you know when you can see the electronics beneath a lot of people mod their their handhelds because mm. it's the best the best type
0: and how about you tazzy
1: <laughs> my first the first I haven't, I haven't the so many feelings like bubbling up right now because it's like, so my first like gaming, okay, the moment that my mum realised that I was going to like games mm. was with a, with a Game Boy, like an OG grey Game Boy. <laughs> so there's a whole story and I think my mum has it, has a video, like a videotape of this. Uh, but I was like, little babby could just about crawl and uh, have like all these colourful fun toys kids' toys around me and I like crawl over to like I think it was like my dad or my sister's Game Boy, like OG Game Boy on the floor, which is obviously a big, like fairly big grey box. Yeah, it
0: was a, it was a hefty, <laughs> yeah, hefty piece of equipment that was.
1: Like grey box. And I'm like, I know what I want. I want that. <laughs> and that's like I'm just crawling along to this gray <laughs> Game Boy and try and play something on it. I'm gonna guess it was like Tetris. Obviously had no idea what I'm doing, so not really the first console, but it's like, my mom always reminds me of that moment. And she's like, yeah, <laughs> you are always gonna do something with games <laughs> and gadgets. Like I knew from then, but the first handheld that I owned was a Game Boy color, which I still have, cause it's a yellow one. And then the first console that I bought with my own money was actually a nintendo ds the original gray and i got it launched and i saved up my pennies my pocket money like <laughs> proper saved
0: that's an achievement
1: it was like i was 2004 like i was young so yeah oh i have feelings right now I like, that, which,
0: <laughs> I like that a little trip down down memory lane because yeah handheld handheld systems have been around for uh for ages but like i said nintendo have pretty much i'd say dominated and have just been their own competition really uh which kind of takes us to uh to the switch and the switch is is interesting because it's obviously it's a hybrid system but we're gonna put it in a handheld uh, category and make it part of this discussion and just the timing of it because it came at a time where nintendo went from being top of the gaming world uh with the wii which just took over broke out of even gaming to just mainstream, to the Wii U, which definitely did not do that. And uh, I think uh, I looked this up and it's lifetime hardware sales uh, through to the end of 2016 were 13.56 million, which underperformed even the GameCube, which is the next worst selling console, which at least managed to break 20 million to 21.74 million units sold. And then Nintendo just came back with the Switch, which has so far a total of eighty-nine point zero four million sales, and yeah, it's just it is just completely uh, taking over. I think part of this was driven by Animal Crossing and the pandemic, uh, that was just like perfect timing uh, for Nintendo. But the sales have stayed strong, uh, even uh, even now. And the switch is on course to become one of the most successful consoles Nintendo has ever made. So I mentioned in the intro about sort of the the promise of handheld being or feels like it's being realized. I guess my question from a Nintendo perspective is what do we put the success of the Nintendo switch to? um does anyone want to jump in and think like from a this handheld Uh, console what do we think has made it so successful
1: uh the fact that it's a hybrid
0: okay and actually another thing i should have does i'm going to assume everyone has a switch because now i just assume everyone has a switch (laughs) Yes.
1: yes yeah
0: okay (laughs) so Tazzy, do you play your switch mostly in handheld no i play it mostly in docked okay and arden and quang as well
2: yeah, pretty much. And also because of the pandemic, I think most people probably have been playing it docked because we're not traveling anywhere. To be fair, yeah.
3: <laughs> I predominantly play it handheld. You know, I've spoken to a few people, few people about this and it's pretty 50-50 in, in my mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And as well, so everyone here, I'm guessing, has a, has a full switch, a base model switch. So, But switch lights are extremely popular and they are obviously uh, undocked. They are handheld only.
0: Yeah, no, it's yeah. true, and I think it is that. I guess it is that hybrid aspect that allows people to get the get the system and use it in in different scenarios. Where with the pandemic, I mean, even before the pandemic, just just life will you know will, will require you to maybe want to dock it uh, and still take it with you. But then, yeah, with the pandemic, it's, it's changed that uh, use case as well.
2: Hmm. I wonder if the 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 hybridness of it makes people feel like. it's a a two for one deal like they're investing in um the amount of money that they would spend on on one of the devices but they get two out of it that's how i feel about it sometimes like i feel like this is like one of the best deals i've ever made
1: (laughs) for me i think not quite a two for one in terms of money but a two for one in terms of like ability to like play (laughs) Mm. is i think the i love the 3ds but my one issue was like, sometimes I'm really into a game on that and I'm so bored of looking at a tiny, tiny screen.
3: No, for a long time, Nintendo were talking about still supporting the 3DS about the Switch's life. Um, obviously, that didn't quite happen. And you can see how much uh, the, the, the Nintendo Switch cannibalised the handheld market from the 3DS.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's only very recently they announced that they are ending support for the 3DS.
3: Which is a shame. And they the stores, control. yeah.
0: Yeah, and yeah, like I say, you, you want to be the one to cannibalize your old market. Really. That's the <laughs> best place to be.
1: I think as well, one of the things is that even though Nintendo is still pretty much failing at online,
0: <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: the difference between the 3DS online and the Switch online is, is quite a good distance. <laughs> I mean, they're still terrible at right? it, but that... Wait,
0: 3DS had online?
1: <laughs> point point, point <laughs>
0: question oh wow
1: <laughs> Point proven. Um, <laughs> yeah and that that like the, the I feel like the 3ds was the 3d I mean the 3ds was still was crazy popular but it gives it more market if with the accessibility to online on it I know that a lot of people were more inclined to that I know, that were more inclined to have a Switch or bought a Switch because their friends have Switches and on you can play online with them. And obviously you could on the 3DS, but it's a lot more like you can play online with them. It feels more online than... yeah no i totally agree yeah it's hard to because it did have online this is the thing it did have online but it's just not as online as it feels on the switch
2: (laughs) yeah it felt very much like so yeah it felt very much like a, a single player console unless you were locally with friends or at least that's how i always felt about it whereas the switch actually does feel like i can play this with people wherever they are
3: yeah, I think that's the thing about handheld gaming in general. Like for me, growing up as a kid uh, with the Game Boy and then the other handhelds, uh, it's always been quite a solitary gaming activity. But that, that also may, means you have a stronger bond with it. Um, every now and then, you would play, play with someone else either through a link cable or over local networks, things like that. But because it, of it being a single player, as you're saying before, Taz, you, you had that really strong connection to a handheld gaming device.
2: Mm. I wonder if the fact that you can hold it in your hands makes you more emotionally attached. So this is a wild thing I just came up with. Um, (laughs) But but to to those of us who mostly play Docked, don't you also feel more connected to it than, um, say, a PS4 or PS5? Because certainly when um, there's a new game out, um, especially indie games that that come out on multiple consoles, I always want to buy it on Switch. And sometimes if it's not on Switch but it's on PS4, I'm still like, oh i'm so annoyed about this i don't want it on the ps4 i want it on my switch mm. even though i wouldn't necessarily take it anywhere i would just play it docked for some reason
1: no i'm way more attached to my xbox than i am my switch right <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: feel, I feel like
0: if um or at least for me for the with the switch because i can more easily take it with me wherever so for example i do Over the summer I've been doing some like workshops and talking about games with with young people and and the switch is easier to sort of take with me and and show and for some reason it it feels it makes it feel I guess to your point a bit more personal just because it's like with me
1: I I'm interested am I the only xbox user here you might be maybe okay so I have a theory because you're you're saying this but you have playstation so with me my xbox like all my saves are on my account because we have cloud save (laughs) without paying any extra we automatically have cloud cloud save uh my i mean it it wouldn't now but before my gold would have run out and i don't have to worry about it my save disappearance it's always there and so for me and i know other xbox a lot of other xbox players so for me i'm like i'm attached to a specific controller (laughs) Other than that, and I'm like, this is, I can, and I can play my Xbox games, like, quite versatile, and even now, more with cloud uh, gaming and uh, Game Pass or It's like, I can literally be anywhere and play an Xbox game, but my Switch, I still have to physically have it with me, (laughs) and I have to remember to bring it with me and charge it. I always forget to charge it.
3: Can you play your Xbox games on the bus?
1: Yeah, (laughs) I can i've got clouds on my uh phone X-Cloud. <laughs> and i realized i have it and i was like oh my god
2: <laughs> oh, how does it work how how easy to play are they on the go very easy um
1: because it runs off so their cloud gamer runs off like um series x specs. Mm-hmm. and as long as you've got like a internet connection it's good. Obviously, that doesn't work if you don't have an internet connection, but I do, so yeah, yeah, no, that, makes that sense. Issue. Yeah, and I just there's some games that you can play with touch, and then mm. others you need a controller.
3: I guess for me, like I, for my previous job, I, I would travel a lot, so taking planes and things like that. Yeah, and being on planes, obviously, internet um, mm. not something you can rely on. Yeah. Just having a switch, having a switch with me, going to play it literally everywhere. I think. It, i guess it's, it's how easy things are to access yeah the more you, you use it the more connection you have with it
0: no, that's a fair point and i mean even yeah like the use case like i say with the sort of pandemic has changed but just thinking about handhelds in in general and obviously the switch is a big part of this and looking at particular genres that do well so thinking about quang and Arden, because you have both at certain points, being involved in the game making process, is there? Do you feel that particular genres that are best suited to the handheld platform? And like, if so, what are they?
2: Yeah, I, I think this is a huge question, but I've been thinking about it a lot because I kind of like I've got like two main observations. Like looking back, especially to old let's call it old timey handheld gaming, thinking of uh, the Game Boy, Game Boy Advance. Um, I feel like um, games on there are often quite like dexterity based because they're like platformers and relatively light on story let's say and I feel like it has really changed um, mostly because now you can play anything um, and it's quite adapted but I feel like um, on the DS you saw a lot more story-based games come in and especially what I noticed on the DS is that with ace attorney phoenix right it was kind of like the advent of visual novels on uh, handheld games and i feel like that is the perfect place for it because um you can like it's mostly relatively um low on voice acting which makes it good for on the go when you can't um put audio on and there is not really any time pressure so you can yeah take your time with it and you you read it if like you're on the train and you're interrupted and you have to show your ticket um nothing is (laughs) happening without you um and also like yeah it can keep you engaged if you've got like um more time to kill so i feel like yeah that that um like visual novels in particular is something that i i played a lot on um the PSP and the PS Vita um, in like the Persona series. And yes, I, I count Persona as like visual novel, at least half of it. Okay. Um, and I also played um, How to Full Boyfriend, the pigeon dating game mm-hmm. on a trip to Barcelona. And it was uh, truly magical. So, yeah, that's my that, those are like the two observations like that visual novels kind of like had a little bit of a breakthrough on there. And also that I feel like it definitely has shifted in terms of what kind of genres we see. Okay, what do you think, Quang?
3: Yeah, I, I would actually counteract that because mm-hmm. um, on the original Game Boy, you had stuff like Link's Awakening, you had the Final Fantasy series as well. Um, there was a strong outing for RPGs on the Game Boy, but I think, I think gaming as a whole has expanded to encompass more genres and, and more narrative. So, yeah, so you got from that, uh, you had the Game Boy Advance with things like Golden Sun, and Boktai, some great RPGs on, on, on the Game Boy Advance, and I just think. Gaming as a whole has expanded, and I say Half-Life Boyfriend is an amazing game to play on all platforms. and Being able to play it mm. on the go is, is, is wonderful. Um, you got, as you say, the Phoenix Wright series uh, started on handheld, um, but I think it has room to uh, expand onto other platforms. I, I think there's been Phoenix Wright Collection recent, released recently, yeah, yeah, the, multiple yeah, platforms. the, the Great
2: Base Attorney, yeah, yeah, so.
3: Even though these uh, genres have started on handheld, I, I don't think it, it's it's necessarily tied to it being a handheld thing.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree with you, definitely. So, do you think then, Quang, there's something about handhelds that might make people want to play certain genres or 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 not?
2: For me, I, I
3: think handheld. Um, the biggest restriction of handheld is, is battery life. Um, oh yes, yeah. you usually have a couple hours, uh, realistically, of power you play a game so playing short spurts and also where, where you ever you play handheld it's usually in between more you know it's small snippets of gaming so your gaming has to be able to be you have to be able to pick it up put it down and carry on from where you left off whereas i think when you're at home and you're docked and or you're with your your, your playstation or your xbox you can sit there for long periods of time and mm-hmm. get really engrossed and and set into your gameplay uh, handheld has to be very bite-sized.
1: And it has to have save functions that are yes. suitable for handheld. Like I feel like the save functionality is the the most important thing with handhelds. Mm. It's like if say like a lot of journeys and stuff it's like, well if my journey ends here, like can I save it? If the game doesn't have like good save points, then it's not great for a lot of handheld situations i think Mm. a good example of that was when they adapted um majora's mask to the 3ds they had to then and they were like wait (laughs) people need to be able to save more often (laughs) and so they implemented a new save feature but and without that like i'm like that would not have been possible to play on a 3ds (laughs) for like most case situations
2: yeah, I think I think you're completely right. And I think an additional feature in in addition to saving is being able to interrupt it. Um, because I felt the DS was I don't know what if I want to call it revolutionary, but the fact that you can like just shut it. Yes. And oh, it, yeah, it turns yeah. whatever game you're playing, even if it's something that you can't pause or something, it will pause for you. And the way that the Switch does it the same way, where you just like shut it off because this is your stop you got to get out. It's such a load off your your mind of having to think, oh, like, my mom was coming to tell me I can't play anymore. I have to save. Um, mm-hmm. to being able to do that.
3: It's interesting to see that coming from mobile gaming, as in uh, mobile phones, phones. Because um, obviously, a phone has to, be able to also be a phone and do other things as well. So, if you're in the middle of a game and you're interrupted by a phone call, it needs to, to save and dump you out of the game and, and let you continue from there. I feel that's. I mean, gaming as a whole was taken, and uh, just our lives seem to have, um, busier and more varied, and it now games require that quick drop in and drop
0: out. Yeah, I never even. So, I mean, I I'm definitely thought of it at the time of using the DS, but that, just that simple idea of oh, I'm just gonna close this thing, and and the game will deal with that. So love it. As well, I like talking to uh, people about like game design because there's a lot of things that as players you don't necessarily are aware of but require a lot of thought behind the scenes so like Tazzy mentioned the, the ability to save you need to think about that because the circumstances that you play a handheld are different and then just the idea like with the ds i can just close this thing or some something's happening in my real life i just need to close this thing and it's just gonna hold the state of the game and let me pick it back up uh, so those are the different things you need to like think about from a Handheld versus a, a console. To be fair, though, know, you can you know now with the latest gen uh, consoles, you've got like quick. is it quick resume, quick switch on the Xbox? Quick resume and-
1: though leaves it running, so the game is still active.
0: Oh, fair, fair, fair <laughs> <point is. laughs>
1: It does pause it, but. Not quite in the way that. In
0: not in the same way, yeah. Different. Yeah, not in yeah, the same needs, way. Different platform.
1: Many stories of people coming back to the game and then the game being like you have putting like however many hundred hours of this game. Oh really?
0: Okay. <laughs> it's just
1: been held in like this state of limbo,
0: <laughs> like
1: whereas like on the switch or the ds it's like frozen in that time you know it's like
0: oh that's interesting they don't also freeze it or no it's okay i didn't i i would have thought that would also I don't be a know poor if that's state Changed thing. recently yeah. or
1: if that's uh, certain games have been like f- had it thought about uh it'll probably okay. be something that improves like going forward because it's just new to those consoles but yeah no you rack up hours <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it's really weird as a game developer um
3: Get your game onto these platforms, you have to go through a ton of checks. So like, even if you're doing for PlayStation 4, for example, you have to be able to survive a controller being unplugged or disconnecting, a new controller being added, a power loss, and things like this. Same with the handhelds, you have to be able to account for when the system is closed, uh, when the battery runs out, things like this. And uh, if your game doesn't handle these exceptions correctly, you won't pass and you won't be put in the store. So this is something game developers, I say, behind the scenes have to deal with.
0: Ah, oh, that's interesting to hear. Yeah, and then, I mean, so staying with the the Switch uh, still and looking at what they've done most recently, which is the release of a new Switch, the OLED Switch, which has a larger OLED display, better speakers, kickstand, uh, and a dock with Ethernet. What it doesn't have is any major internal hardware uh upgrades uh, specifically graphics and i think 4k graphics was uh, the one people were looking at, at least in doc uh, in dock mode and this has been a, a thing for nintendo of not necessarily putting together or putting out the most advanced system capable of displaying the most advanced graphics but obviously for nintendo it hasn't mattered but for handheld games in general i always get the impression that Graphics don't necessarily matter as much in handheld games, or at least our expectations of what games look like visually and handhelds change. So first of all, like, do you think that's the case with uh, handheld games? And if graphics don't matter, what does matter when it comes to handheld gaming specifically?
3: You can literally look at the Game Boy when it first came out. It was a tiny little postage stamp of a screen, uh, 2 point something inches, a resolution of 160 pixels by 144 pixels, tiny, all shades of grey, and it out- outsold the Atari Lynx, the, the the Game Gear, the Turbo Graphics, very easily, even though they were more powerful machines. In that instance, graphics weren't the most important thing, and I think that's carried through for Nintendo's philosophy. As you're saying, with the um, things like the Wii and the GameCube, they haven't never been the most powerful consoles, but that's not what they've always they've never been about that.
1: Yeah, I don't. Graphics is definitely not the most important thing for a handheld console. I just don't think it's the most important thing for any gaming. <laughs> just full stop. But definitely not for handheld. The most important thing for handheld is
2: battery life.
1: Battery life, agreed.
2: Mm. But in, in terms of in terms of graphics, or rather visuals, when it comes to handheld, something. Like, I'm very thankful that, like, yeah, Nigel, like you said, we we seem to be a bit more forgiving when it comes to graphics on on handheld. And I'm I'm quite thankful for it because uh, I find it relatively easy to, like, suspend my disbelief. Like, I don't feel like I need the most realistic graphics. And I always find it a bit distracting um, when, yeah, the the response to to a game is is about that, Um, when I would prefer that or I guess not preferable, <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm getting off track. What I'm trying to say is, I really like a strong um, art direction. And I feel like you can especially find that in handheld gaming, because if the restrictions are a bit tighter of what you can do, um, you have to get quite creative and you especially have to be very visually clear um, when the resolution is so low, like Quang was saying about on the original Game Boy, you have to be very precise with which pixels you use to um, to show an enemy and and what this enemy is and i i really liked on the ds the, the games were quite colorful um i mean they still are obviously but um there's kind of like a clarity to um to the visuals and of course as soon as a game doesn't do that it becomes very difficult to play as well if you have like too, if it's too muddy and you can't tell okay this in this texture there's actually a door that you can go through it can turn into a terrible game so it it really puts the um the effort on like working with the restriction but you can make some really good things out of it and yeah i think that's i think that's what i enjoy about handheld games not being as powerful and nintendo games not being as powerful especially cell shading graphics are so nice
0: yeah and they age better as well yeah uh, and then I think it, you make a good point, uh, Arden, about sort of clarity because particularly at that size of screen for a handheld, you're not necessarily seeing like you're literally not seeing as as many uh, pixels. So then it becomes about making things clear in your in your game so people can see what's going on, particularly for like fast moving games as well. So when it's something like uh, you mentioned uh, Ace attorney slower game story based game uh, also a more cartoon style Mm. but it's clear what it needs to do when it comes to more I say fast just faster games or faster moving games it's about the clarity of the visuals not necessarily the the ultimate fidelity of those visuals
1: I agree as well like can I easily make a distinction between like the different elements of things like it doesn't matter if it looks realistic and i think when you're trying to make things realistic at least for me i actually find it more distracting because it's trying to be realistic and it's that's not real for one (laughs) and b then when things aren't quite right then i'm like too busy like that can sometimes take me out of, you know, like the like being absorbed in the game, and something like, wait, that's not quite right. Mm. That doesn't make sense. But if if you're not fo- if you're if you've got like a nice art style, you've taken away that. That's not what that thing would look like in real life.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah, for sure.
3: The problem when you're chasing high-end graphics and stuff, you have that problem of running into the uncanny valley, where it's not good enough to look real, but
0: yeah, it's almost there, but it's not quite.
3: Yeah, and that, that becomes a problem. But whereas you, you, if you choose a distinct art style, art direction, you can get away with it not looking real because that's what it's all on purpose. And then it doesn't matter if you're using 4K or 720p.
2: Mm. And I sometimes feel like um, there are a few older, um, specifically handheld games that have been re released with updated graphics. Um, and so I'm specifically also thinking about Ace Attorney that used to have sprites um like pixel art sprites and um they now have like these very very shiny um redrawn with like um very fine outlines and that kind of thing and um i i feel like it's definitely appropriate because now that it's come out on on mobile and it's come out on the big screen it was definitely necessary and it does look good i don't think i don't think it was a bad decision at all but i find it less charming um, and i find edgeworth to be less handsome <laughs> that is a big problem for me <laughs> i i feel like because um it was pixel art it, it went a bit better with a cartoony style because they have very big hands because they use them for pointing um but now that they're like redrawn um and they don't look realistic of course it would be horrifying if they looked realistic <laughs> <laughs> the hands are so big so yeah and and also with um the world ends with you um which i loved um the 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 first one uh that came out on the ds i think i don't know 14 years ago now um they had um, um pixel art as well because that's what it has to do on the ds for your sprites um and i always loved how they looked they looked so, so clean and they, the animations were gorgeous and they've also redrawn those to be um high fidelity 2d graphics and they look great but it takes it, it takes something away from it i feel and that's a shame. Mm.
0: Uh, that's interesting to hear, because and I always have this in mind. Uh, I mentioned like doing workshops with young people, and and I've definitely heard over the summer where I mentioned the switch, and some people, not everyone, but some people like bring up it's not it's not good because it doesn't have good graphics. And then it's Mm. like a a moment where I'm having to uh, explain that graphics don't make the game. You can have great graphics and and a not good game. So it's like having awareness of those other aspects of video games. So it's interesting to hear you, Arden, say about something looking better, maybe in the the strict definition uh, of it or higher fidelity, but that taking away from the experience of that game, the charm of that game.
1: I think it takes away as well, because I think like when you've got something like sprites or um, like non-realistic renderings of things, you then have space in your mind to be a little bit creative so you can interpret that world for yourself. And like you said, um, the characters that look really handsome, like it gives you that space to like interpret that and interpret, like sort of project your own visuals of what you would want them to look like if they were real I guess (laughs) and like really absorb
2: using your own imagination and I agree with you but uh, I don't like the insinuation that Edgeworth is only handsome in my head (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure
1: Edgeworth is completely handsome and I'm sure that is the end of it but yeah (laughs) no I agree I agree you make a really good point I
3: I, want to obviously the kids maybe don't understand the finer arguments about art direction over art tech you know because the company's saying oh we've got 4k graphics it's an easy sell for them Throw hmm. numbers at you because numbers a bigger number is meant to be better yes that's obviously very very much comes from a marketing angle and kids will latch onto to that because oh my my I know, my oh my computer's better you because it's more more cpu, CPU uh, to be oh yeah that's that that's, conversation that's literally
0: happened in this same class
1: <laughs> but
3: they don't understand what that actually means for the game
1: yeah and they like regurgitate what they might have heard someone else say like they're not it's not their own opinion and you actually fight i've found with a lot of kids when you actually when they actually sit down and play a game that it they were absorbed in it they don't even know they don't i mean the most yep. popular games are like fortnite and roblox like come oh, on. Minecraft. <laughs> oh. and minecraft yeah i tell amazing. you
0: even so in this same class as we had done uh, the conversation around sort of graphics and uh, my pc is better than uh, your pc and and all that i because i had my switch uh, in and i uh, let them play a game called snipper clips which is a co-op puzzle yeah game. i love it yeah so i just said we're going to we're going to play some games and we're going to talk about sort of different aspects of, of design so you know the the goal what are the rules what's the environment all those things uh, and snipper clips is great because the for anyone who's uh, listening has played it or sorry anyone who listening and hasn't played it it doesn't tell you anything <laughs> so it just it drops you in it and it drops you in a level you have to figure out the puzzle and a solution in a co-op way And the game is about like two characters and you can cut out bits of each other. And by doing that, you can sort of complete puzzles, but it doesn't tell you what the objective is, doesn't tell you how to operate the game. So letting these, these group of kids just play the game and seeing them figure out and become really engaged in how to figure out what to do. People shouting out, no, do that. Don't do that. Stop doing this And, and figuring out the puzzles, seeing them get over the hump of, okay, now we understand what this game is about and then completing the puzzles. And then talking to them, and they're all really engaged. So that that whole argument about like graphics, it never came up. It's just, they're just playing the game, and they're into playing the game. And I think that's part of the thing that I mean, not to say that handhelds are the, the only space you can do this, but because of the uh, almost like a sort of lack of graphical intensity, um, it shifts your focus to other aspects and other interests and scenarios that you can have uh, on that on that platform.
3: I have to say I'm obviously a bigger fan of more limited systems anyway because limitation breeds creativity.
0: So I, I mentioned the graphic angle to uh, to go and undo everything we've just said and uh, bring in the Steam Deck <laughs> because mm-hmm. uh, part of the, the discussion about handheld consoles and seeing Nintendo release the OLED Switch to not everyone but a certain uh, segment that wanted more from nintendo so that saw the the oled switch as less than what we were expecting which would be a more powerful switch a 4k screen and didn't get that so shortly after the announcement of the oled switch and some of the disappointment there uh, valve announced their new or upcoming console uh, the steam deck which is Essentially, the the four K the the Switch Pro uh, the quote unquote Switch Pro that some people were uh, were demanding. So this comes with significantly improved uh, power, allowing you to play sort of just Steam games on a mobile device. How do we think that's going to uh, fare compared to the Switch? Because we just, as we just said, graphics aren't everything, but this is bringing a, a higher level of graphical. Uh, fidelity to to games a different use case do we think that the the steam deck is going to succeed where other attempts to dethrone and uh, nintendo or at least get some some of that handheld pie have fallen short uh what do we think what do you think Tazzy? because i know we've spoken about the the steam deck before
1: i think the steam deck has a different audience i don't think its audience is gonna take away from the switch audience I think it's going to hit a different market of like maybe people that want a laptop or people that want to join the PC gaming scene, but don't want to like, uh, don't want to fork out on a PC. PCs are, can work out really expensive. And as well, like, <laughs> I just want to say like the PS Vita was an amazing console that just flopped.
0: Yeah. Mm. And that's why and I that said was, ahead of its time is yeah. all, well the PSP and and the Vita actually as as well as like were well, they ahead of the time because the the Switch is doing I mean is and the Switch and the Steam Deck are looking quite similar to early attempts in in those consoles
1: and like the PS Vita what com, was competing against the DS the 3DS the DS I think the Vita against the 3DS the 3DS
2: yeah
1: and had like it was it was good looking it felt good. And it failed. I mean, there's loads of reasons that it failed, but it failed nonetheless. Uh, I don't think that's going to be the case with the Steam Deck. I think it will be somewhat of a success, but I don't think it will be like competing with the Switch. I just don't think it has the same market. I think maybe it has a small crossover of a market,
0: but... I mean, what do you think, Wang? Is this is this the, uh, <laughs> the, the Switch killer, or uh, is it going to gain some traction in this market?
3: I agree with Terrence in saying it. It's a very different market. Um, it's not a cheap device.
0: No, it's, it is not.
3: So Whereas, you know, the Switch, you'd buy something for your kids, your kids to play, and it's, it's always been Nintendo's market. Whereas the Steam deck uh, is something, I guess, busy people or people who travel lots don't have time to play at home on their PCs, but want to play the same games on the go. Personally, I don't think it's going to do well. I don't think there's enough of a market there. I know it's sold, uh, it's pre-sold, uh, relatively well. Long-term, like, how many people are going to be wanting to play the games on the go rather than at, than at home on their PC rigs, who they've spent thousands of pounds on graphics cards and CPUs? Because that feels like me the the, the the market is going for people who who want that power, people who are willing to spend that amount of money on a device. Do 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 they play on their Switch Deck? Oh, uh, sorry, their Switch Deck, their Steam Deck <laughs> on the go, or do they play at home on on their wonderful Master Race PC?
2: Yeah, I, I was gonna agree on, on that last bit. Um, is that like I, I actually feel that if it does establish itself, which I'd be really curious to see, it probably will be a niche. It's exactly like Kong said, like who is who is going to buy this who isn't already clued in, let's say. Um I definitely see the use case as like okay you've got your steam games and you want to play them on the go but I don't see how we how you can get the how you can get this handheld console to people who've not heard of it yet and how to make it enticing to them because you already have to be clued in to what kind of games you could play on it and yeah I I kind of feel like um Valve isn't necessarily equipped to do that the way that Nintendo is with its brand recognition focused on okay we make um, fun consoles and fun games and Valve more like okay we let everyone put their games on our platform but they got to do all the heavy lifting themselves.
1: I think the thing that will help it sell is that it's not just it is a essentially a handheld laptop. Mm. <laughs> I think that appeals to people that they don't it's not just Steam that they can have on there they can have more stuff they can change the operating system that's on it. Even though Steam recommend that you use the Steam OS that they're making for it, that they've made for it, I was shocked at how many people in my in like the communities I'm in are actually like, yeah, I really want one. Mm. Okay, and I'm like, okay, and they're people with like high spec PCs, and they're like, this is cool. It's kind of like their portable PC when they go like round friends' house and you can plug it into everything and da da da. Or a few people that like wanted a laptop, but this kind of I don't fully need like a full-blown laptop and this kind of fits that uh little niche but it's still quite a niche market I
3: know
1: know lots of people who
3: want them but
1: aren't willing to pay the money for it okay these people are like really ready to drop the cash like take my take the money that i don't have (laughs) 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 but it's still it's still such a niche though it is like i agree with everyone that it's still such a niche so it'd be so interesting like i it's uh, I feel like it's hard to like pin it but mm-hmm. also like you're not going to beat Nintendo that's that's the one thing I think anyone yeah. could agree on is like if yeah. you're trying to compete with Nintendo you will fail like you're not Nintendo it doesn't matter <laughs>
0: like you will. I mean it is I find this really fascinating because I know yeah number one uh, you know <laughs> it's very hard to sort of beat Nintendo at what is essentially their own game now. Uh, and I think they come at, at a different angle that has a wider appeal than what something like the Steam Deck is doing. There's definitely a a, a market for it. And I think pre-sales have been good. You'll always find, you know, the more hardcore are going to jump on the the pre-sales. So like uh, Quang said, it's about beyond that, like long-term, what does that look like? I'm interested to see who gets this because I feel this is not for me because I've only just recently started playing games on PC, on my PC anyway. I don't have the high spec pc but me the way i play games i have certain games that i'll play on pc that i don't necessarily want to take them to a mobile space like i want to sit down and uh, and play with them and there's something like the nintendo like we talked about uh time becoming a factor like games i feel i can just play quickly or that are they're different mechanics uh they're more about sort of fun and sort of uh, enjoying a game or playing with uh other people in, in that way and the steam deck for me it it misses there's no overlap for me but i'm very interested to see where this does find home, um, assuming it does because i imagine there are people that are like Tazzy says ready to drop however many hundreds of, of pounds is the valve asking for
2: I, I would be very excited if it um if it does establish itself as a niche because a niche is also a good place to like set up your business model and to see how it evolves, if there's going to be a Steam Deck 2 and mm. how, how it refines itself. Because th- there's one thing I'm quite, um, or I'm, I'm a bit skeptical about, or I, I'm very curious about, let's say, is um, if you can play any Steam game on it, most of them are not um, optimized to be played in handheld mode. Like even just like, I guess the, the first thing that comes to mind is, is the UI going to be very small? And um, if it does establish itself, are developers going to start taking that into account the same way they are when they're developing for the Switch?
0: Right, I see. So I guess that are you getting a handheld experience with these games that you can play on the desktop? I guess not, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think a lot of the games that people are gonna play on it are gonna be games that people would play on the Switch. A lot of, I know I've seen some like, um, videos and stuff, and people being like, "This is a good indie machine." Where the Switch is also like turned into like great, great indie, 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 indie machine. machine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So for the people that would fork out the money on the Steam Deck and then not fork out the money on the games, because obviously like Steam sales and Humble Bundles and probably there mm. like thousands, un- thousands of unplayed games in their Steam, <laughs> in their Steam library. I feel like I feel like there's a few, quite a few people that will buy one and not actually use it.
0: Oh, Steam Deck. Yeah, yeah. That's a uh, that's a lot of money to put down and not <laughs> not, there not is, use. There is there
1: is a there is a a group of people that have money, spend it, and uh, don't <laughs> don't necessarily spend it wisely. Um, that will buy this, and it will just be an addition to their their. It will be like their Steam library, unplayed, but more. <laughs>
3: Just looking at the, the the prices for things and, and then, the, then the switch is what 260 now i think retail whereas yeah steam that's deck started,
0: the the switchable switch
3: yeah a regular switch whereas the steam deck starts at 350. that's mm. nearly a 100 pounds more for the base Steam deck and then you're going up to 460 and then 570 for the, the full whack yeah it feels like very much this more expensive niche market Whereas people as as says people who have the money to splash around on this sort of device, but will they actually use it for gaming. I don't know
0: yeah, that that's why I'm so interested to see like who who is the person, what is the use case uh, for this, but like Arden says it it could be a even when we consider valve's fairly recent history with steam itself, I mean, when that first came out, it wasn't a universal success i I feel like I remember it being sort of panned in some senses but they stuck with it developed it built it uh, and now it just feels standard it feels like it it needs to be there so the steam deck could be first establishing some kind of niche and then building on it with the steam deck to be interesting to see
1: i if i could edit on the steam deck i'd want one but it wouldn't it wouldn't
0: my video and audio
1: yeah video and visual
3: would you do that over say using a a, a tablet or using a laptop
1: um, like, yeah, over a laptop, if it, if I could edit on it, I would replace my laptop because I don't, I sometimes I find my laptop, I'm like, Oh, this is too bulky. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> yeah. And then like, I don't game on my laptop at all. Even though I bought a laptop capable of gaming just cause I can't be bothered. <laughs> 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 but then I still have my switch. So I'd have like the, I'd have like the steam deck on my switch if I could edit, it would probably just end up being like an editing machine. But it would be too. I'd like. I'd like to try it out <laughs> and see. Okay. <laughs> see how much editing I can get on it.
3: And i for example, an iPad Pro or even an iPad Mini are amazing editing machines. Uh, they're great at doing that.
1: I have not
3: found that. I guess it comes down to software and, and user experience and
0: UI. Yeah. Because I, I, when you when you describe like editing video editing on a or like a Steam Deck, if that were possible, like I couldn't imagine doing that. But then I guess like everyone's got a different use case.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna I like at some point someone I know is probably gonna have one. I'm gonna be like, can I borrow your Steam Deck? I am going to <laughs> <laughs> to see as an experiment, maybe as a, uh, a video there. Yeah. Yeah, a, a, a month with a scene deck.
0: How it feels? Okay. Well, I mean, one of the things I wanted to make sure we touched on was about accessibility. And speaking of like design decisions that you make at a level of a handheld, again, for Quang and, and Arden being involved in the the development process or some stage of it, in terms of like accessibility, and what do you feel handheld the handheld platforms? do for accessibility whatever that might mean for accessing different games different types of games to different types of audiences
2: Mm. i think so in the in the sense of accessibility for um disability i that was on the forefront of my mind um which but also means um able-bodied people also benefit from it and then the number one thing is audio because um handheld games On the whole have to have to make it work um if you don't have any audio um so no audio cues and no and often no vo like uh, originally meaning that like okay you're not going to have voiceover because on the ds you just don't have the space to put all that or um before that um, it wasn't even at all possible but now if you have it, it it often is um, something in addition to what you see on the screen. The the number one thing is still going to be, let's say you play a visual novel, um, going back to that example, and you have a little bit of a feel but it plays at the same time as the text and it's just the text um, um, spoken out loud or maybe it's just in the beginning to give you a sense of who this character is and give you a snippet of their voice. But really, um, it's mainly being carried by um, the text that you see on screen, and obviously, on that is not a decision that was made with accessibility in mind—not um, the accessibility in 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 that sense, because it's just okay. You you have to you're on a noisy train, or you forgot your headphones, or. Um you're playing this at night while your parents are asleep. But the techniques used for it definitely would be something worth emulating, um, so that the game does not depend on audio for the people who can't hear it or have trouble hearing it. And I think there's a yeah, there's a few other things in that in that sense as well. And I I think that's
0: pretty cool. And I mean, Quang, you you're developing for handheld platform is is accessibility something that you've sort of considered or had to consider with this or previous releases?
3: Oh, For sure. So our previous... uh, So we make games for the Game Boy uh, in 2021. Yeah. sounds (laughs) a little different, but uh, it's what we're doing. Um, Our last game last year was a fast-paced action game, and it was well-received. But obviously, if you have any motor issues, it was very difficult for them to play. We did put in a fun mode for the game where... The game was easier and it wasn't as difficult, but it, with it being a fast-paced action game, it's hard to play it. So our current game we're working on now has been designed from the ground up to be turn-based so people who have more uh, issues can play the game. And that's something we were very aware of Take the time think about the next move and take it into it when in, in their own time. Um, so definitely accessibility has... It's something, not just myself, but the game industry as a whole has now started to think about a lot more, which is great.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's really cool um, that, that you mentioned the fun mode on, on the first game. I'm wondering, um, I guess, going a bit away from accessibility and more towards, I guess, how, how Nigel, you, you phrased the question of um, also reaching new audiences. Would you say that like the the games that you're working on and that the retro scene is working on are more forgiving than um, old games? Because I certainly remember when I was a kid that I found that all very very difficult, and I still find it all very very difficult to play. And I, I know this is a bit controversial to simplify it this way, but I feel games have been getting easier, or at least the level of frustration that is expected of you is lower, which I think is fantastic. Do you see? Do you see that in the retro scene?
3: Oh, for sure. Yeah, obviously, games originally came from the arcade, and they were designed to take your money, so they were designed right, to be yeah. difficult. You would buy a cartridge for, I don't know, 30, 40 pounds, and you may not buy another cartridge for a few months, so it had to last you, so the game had to be difficult. Because maybe they didn't have enough space in the cartridge to do a, a deep game, so by, to extend the life of the game, they would make it difficult. But now... Games have evolved and games have changed. We're now seeing games on different systems, different ways to play games. So I wouldn't say games are easier. I'd say they're more accessible in that um, they're not a exercise. In, they're about enjoying the time, enjoying playing it. Yes, you have hard games still, but they let you get understand the flow of the games, the medium. But now we're getting 50, 60 years on we are advancing and and it's definitely shows in all the games i mean yeah
2: it's it's so nice to um to to see how skilled designers are and and how our our common language is is far enough that we can make the um the the level required for you to get into the game quite low and yet challenge people who are very skilled and i think that's obviously what all designers are striving for and and i feel like that's that's getting better and better uh definitely good for me because i'm not a good gamer oh yeah no I, I feel you on that is like
1: <laughs> games were hard like <laughs> disney games back in the day <laughs> like is this is this a disney game or is this dark souls i don't know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I,
2: don't
1: know. I never completed a game and i i used to like when i started streaming i used to beat myself up but i never completed games when i was younger and then going back and playing them i'm like no no they,
0: they were, were hard. just hard <laughs> 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 yeah no i remember uh, i mean this is this was on the master system not a handheld game but alex Kidd in miracle world and you get hit and you you don't go back to the start of the level you go back to the start of the game and even mm-hmm. as i say that now i just like feel chills just uh that was yeah i did not finish that game i tried my best but yeah a younger version of me could not handle that so that was difficult
3: like, games of the past that, um were full of games where one hit kills like zero checkpoints and you know you talk about games today and they talk about permadeath and games where you lose everything when you die that's just how games were back in the day everything was permadeath you die and you start a game from, from the beginning mm. but it makes it frustrating and and you can see how frustrating old games are and a lot of old games require you to memorize lots of things and it's memorizing patterns memorizing attack waves and things like that Rather than uh, reacting or rather re- than, than working things out, but it's just great to see things move forwards and expand and, and game design expanding on that. So being able to, for me, to make modern games on old systems is great. So taking the, the old limitations of the hardware, but using modern gaming sensibilities and making mm-hmm. it fair, fair for the players. I think it's the main word. It's being it, a game being fair. Um, it can be challenging, but as long as it's
0: fair, that's what matters. And I was going to ask a question. I'm going to slightly adapt uh, the question, but where do we feel specifically for handheld gaming? What's the success? What's the measurement of success for, uh, say, a, a handheld game that might not have wide mainstream appeal, but fits for that kind of scenario? So we talked about time and save points and maybe not being the most graphical, um, high fidelity game. What is the measurement for success for handheld games going into the future uh, i'll put that to quang first
3: yeah sure um i think for me it, you're looking at longevity and, and, and hours played at the end of the day so even something like pokemon go which is a game on a mobile device people put so many hours into this and being they're able to put it down pick it up play whenever they want to play and the there's a compulsion to come back and play it because they enjoy doing uh, whatever loops there are in the game so, regardless of how it looks or how it play, uh, how the, the how the graphical fidelity is, or how how powerful a machine needs to be, if you're willing to go back and play again and again, that's a sign of a good game. On my phone, I have a game called Threes. Threes is a wonderful, positive mm-hmm. game which has been out for years. I constantly go back to it because I I want to improve my score on it, and and I constantly up in and out, I have a quick game here and there, and I can up halfway through a game, come back to it, and all these for a mobile game are are present in the game threes and it just works perfectly
0: well for me yeah what how do you see it, arden
2: yeah I, I think i think that's an excellent point i think um games that don't have like a definite end in mind because they they are repeatable loops i think the best a developer can hope for is if this game becomes a companion to someone that they you know uh, check in every once in a while or, or play regularly and 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 return to it i think that that is probably the highest compliment and i think um when it comes to mobile games that have an end in mind because they might have they, they might be story driven and and they want to um bring it to a conclusion um i think yeah the the difficulty is to get players to actually finish it and if you manage to get your players to to be engaged in your story to not put it aside and then pick it up again months later and be like wait where was i Uh, which happened to me with zero escape and then i couldn't enjoy it anymore which was extremely sad i think that's a big challenge and once you clear it um that is very good or if you manage to find a way around it because i know there's a lot of not to bring it back to ace attorney again but i I know there's a lot of ace attorney fans who you know only played one of them or only played one case or two cases and um but it stayed with them because the characters were memorable so, in some ways, I think it is similar challenges to stationary consoles, but with the added difficulty of when you're gaming uh, on the go, especially if you get distracted very easily Tazzy, how do you how do you see it?
1: so I think and I've recently just replayed well picked it back up. great example of um, like for me, I need to be able to pick up that game and then maybe not play it for months and then be able to pick it back up and play it Mm. again. And I don't do well in feedback loops like Pokemon Go. I wish I was into it and I can't be anything that's just like gets me to a point where I'm like, hold on, I'm doing this thing. And I, I, there's no, there's no point for me. (laughs) Like I need like an end goal, something to be working towards an achievable thing, you know, but, um, which I, i struggle with a lot of mobile games they either have to be like arch hero where you can just like play through kind of like constantly leveling like getting free levels and they get harder and harder but i can easily go back to that and if i'm struggling with it i can go back to an earlier level get back up to speed and then challenge myself again or it's a story driven game uh, but the story driven game has reminders of where you left off (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that you can then go back to it like months later because I don't spend much time traveling. Sometimes it's really hard to find a good game that's like my portable go-to game that I'm like, oh yeah, I can play this on the go. Like my Switch, I don't really play it on the go much because a lot of the games take too long for me to get back into them because there's no like reminder. But Pokemon, um, Diamond had a really good recap thing. Like it had a little diary thing and it would say where you've been the last time you played. And I recently just started playing again from the same save and I could continue the game because I had my recap, which I'm hoping they include in the remake. It
3: was old cartoons previously yeah previously on, yeah. to you
1: know where you were. Yeah, or like I just played like Until Dawn or like any of the sort of like Telltale style games where they also have like a previously on. Even though I played it all in one going, but it helps when you're like, oh, yeah, that's what happened then, and then I can continue. I'm pretty sure one of the Final Fantasy games done that as well. You,
3: you were talking about um, the, the gaming loops. Obviously, Pokemon Go is a very simple one, but even something like Mario Kart is something you pick down, pick up, and it, that gaming loop, me and my friends still play Mario Kart regularly online together, and it's the same races over and over again. But that, um, things like Street Fighter and other fighting games as well, it's the same matches, but the human element changes the outcome. And the the, the the loop itself, it's a bit more complex than Pokemon Go, but not as complex as, say, a story-driven game.
1: Yeah. And what you're saying there as well, because you said, like, with your friends, like, a way either to play against people or, like, leaderboards. If you, if you can compete, like, obviously with mobile gamers, great is, like, to have some kind of, like, leaderboard or achievements or something that you can then compete with your friends without having to both be on at the same time because then it's like it's a goal that i'm like oh yeah I've gotta beat their high score and then they beat yours and then you're like well now i need to be yours <laughs> <laughs> now
3: you also mentioned story driven games um and we pressed again how mature gaming has become terms of story based games because you can go back and play the same story again and enjoy it in the same way we reread books or we re-watch movies over and again even though we know what's happening we watch them again and again and games are now getting to that point where I will go back and play the same game story Based game again, even though I'm not know so, what's going to happen, I played it again and again. Just and the
0: experience, <laughs> yeah, it's worth it. And
1: I, I think that's important for have like shorter games. Like there's, there, there was like there's a point. There's quite a lot of games. Obviously, RPGs are quite big, but they mm. have they're, they're too big because so you can never go back to them. Because you're like, well, <laughs> <laughs> that's not like, again. Yeah, that's like <laughs> a literally like however many hours. Yeah. Yeah. like a shortest story game. You're like, oh, that was really good. Like you said, like a good m- movie. You're like, oh, I wanna I wanna play it again. Or you talk to someone about it, you're like, Oh damn, I wanna I wanna experience that again. You can go through and play back because it wasn't too long. It was a good amount, but it wasn't like it's yeah. a hard balance though. And there's definitely yeah. space for different types of games but i'm definitely there for like more short story driven games like little nightmares 2 that's a one sitting game like you can easily complete in one sitting
0: we'll see i haven't got to that yet but i'll
2: (laughs) (laughs) another thing that like story driven games can do when it when it comes to yeah you don't want to make it extremely long is you can also work with loops um by doing um, episodic, um, episodic okay. storytelling. And I'm not specifically thinking, like I feel like the Telltale games, while they're episodic, they still very much have that, that, that one plot you want to follow. But what comes to mind is um, The Arcana, which is a mobile game. It's also a visual novel. And um, what I felt that they do very smartly is that, Um, they put out new chapters but the chapters focus on different characters and you can very much like okay you've got your favorite character and you really want to know what's what's up with them and you want to spend time with them and um have like this fulfilling story and then they might put out a new chapter and it's about a different character and you don't maybe care as much about them anymore so you don't play that one and then you play another one about a different character and you still feel like you get something out of it and at the same time the game technically does keep on going and they do have that framework where they can put out new content and they already have a potential player base which which is really nice i like the idea
1: yeah choice driven games are great as well Mm. and when you can compare your choices to like other people like Catherine, where you Mm, you can compare your like most people done this choice and you judge mm. your friends on yeah this.
2: <laughs> it's, it's huge on on mobile like the the entire romance games genre is, is is huge and there's like several different competitors There's there's choices it's literally called choices and then I've forgotten I've forgotten the names yeah they, they all put out this like some of them even call them books so that you, you can already see that it's like a, a bit of an analogy like okay you read a you read a romance book and you roughly know what you're gonna get but it's got like it's unique it's unique bits and uh, it's quite enjoyable and then you can pick up a different one and they're not necessarily related it's not like you're playing part 1 to 99 but instead it's like you can browse the selection and know what you're in for but each one is not going to take forever
1: does anyone else really feel like going to play games right now? Like I'm the different Yeah, I know. It's like all
0: these cool <laughs> games and not all of them are played. So I'm like, oh I need to uh let me grab my grab my switch. But that's why we like having these uh discussions because I think even for me, just listening to you uh all talk about different aspects of games in general, but obviously see a handheld games is a big part of what we're talking about here yeah, and just realizing some of the yeah the aspects that you really like about video games in general um it does now make me want to go uh play some video games yeah no that's been uh, our discussion about handheld gaming some of the aspects of game design when it comes to playing games on the go or in your hand in your house because uh we're not really going much uh going many places nowadays so yeah thanks for joining us for the discussion before we wrap this episode we do want to check in with our guests and find out what they are up to
1: yeah so this is the bit of the podcast where we just get a little bit more information on my guests where you can find them what they're doing yeah we'll start with Arden do you want to let uh, let us know a bit more about you and if you have any uh, upcoming news or projects that you want to
2: tell us about I would love to, yeah, so I mean, I'm a narrative designer and game designer in general, so I'm always like staying up to date on on narrative things. And a project that I am working on at the moment that I hope that people will be able to see a little bit of soon is that um I'm essentially working on how can character creators or general in general, when you've got options in a game that let you customize your experience, be more gender inclusive um and um like working on a little bit of 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 design patterns there so you've got like all sorts of different approaches like a game might be okay you don't actually need to know the player's gender so how about you make it vague or okay you've got a very extensive character creator how about you unlock all the different choices so um a resource that um will um, hopefully be free and easily accessible that designers can use to um, get them thinking about how to do that for their own game. So, I've been working on that in my free time. So, obviously, it's going a bit slow, but I hope that, um, yeah, people will be able to enjoy that soon. And in terms of um, where to find me, um, and, uh, well, fortunately, I am not on social media for my mental health, but um, obviously, my name is quite unique. Um, so, by Googling um, Arden Ostwolf, you will be able to find me. And if anyone wants to connect, on Gosh, bringing up LinkedIn on this podcast feels wrong. But if, yeah, um, people who want to talk about how to make games can definitely uh, find me on there. Um, so, yeah, that's that's it for me.
1: That sounds I'm so excited for that because I have problems with a lot of character creations. Yes. <laughs> There's so much improvement that needs to be made in that space. And yeah, one of the frustrations is like, why is why is this locked to dust this like mm-hmm. to agenda
2: like why does it need to, it doesn't need to be locked just let me make my character how i want to make my character <laughs> yeah yeah i feel you if you want to send me a list of grievances i will definitely work them in
1: um so that's great and we do have a lot of uh people that listen to our podcast that are, uh wanting to be game designers and into games so hopefully they can find you on linkedin and gain some well-needed knowledge <laughs> and hopefully start their journey on the right foot You know. <laughs> Yeah, that would be lovely. Uh, yeah, I'm inquiring more about you. Um, I, so I'm an indie game developer,
3: and currently we're making modern Game Boy games uh, for old systems. Uh, you can find us on social media uh, under ASOBI Tech. That's A S O B I Tech, um, which is all the social medias, also the website as well. Uh, but yeah, keep a, an eye out on we're making i guess um if you're interested in retro and actually you know what um as I said before the game boy is is kind of managed to span different ages and, and we all have some love for the game boy so check out there
1: yeah i might have to um go back my game boy's there and i was thinking about getting out so i might have to um, get some new games for it
0: <laughs> yeah some new old games
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah love that absolutely love that
0: yeah no me too and, and i've tried out Quang's game uh, a little bit. is cool. I still can't get over playing Game Boy games in 2021, um, but definitely go uh, check that out. But uh, yeah, Quang, Arden, thank you both for joining us in this discussion about handheld games. Yeah, thanks for having me. Cool. Um, And if you enjoyed this discussion and this episode of Story X Story, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a future episode. Also, you can give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts uh, and generally share this episode. It all helps us reach new listeners and fans of story discussions. Um, So as story creators, we have a new story that we have created that is just finished uh, Serious Through the Fog is in print. You can check out the news story plus our past manga titles on our website, com forward slash manga. Uh, and also uh, I will be at Thought Bubble Thought Bubble Comic Convention November 13th and 14th with all our manga. So first convention since the pandemic, need to remember how to how to pack and how to do the whole convention thing again. So uh yeah if you are in the vicinity of leeds harrogate come check that out you also we have our gamepad event in the new year uh, so you can follow us join our discord uh, or consider becoming a studio 77 member so you can get access to gamepad events and content from the my Matter universe and stay tuned for the date for our next gamepad online event uh, in general Also stay tuned for more podcast episodes including creator interviews, video game discussions and deep dives into stories across pop culture. You can always give us a shout directly. Our email address is feedback at mymatter.com and our website with links to subscribe is mymatter.com forward slash story x story. So until next time, take care everyone, stay safe and we will see you again soon.